It has been nearly three weeks since I sat down to record a podcast. I am back from hiatus, and boy, oh boy, do we have a host of topics to cover. Whether it is sexual forays of the inappropriate nature, how Alabama nearly elected a pedophile, or how the FCC just voted to repeal net neutrality regulations? And does that mean the internet is dying? I don't know. There's also the current state of the Philadelphia Eagles. They took a hit in that game against L.A. Are their chances for the Super Bowl done? I don't think so. I'll explain why. And let us not forget, today is the day Star Wars The Last Jedi drops in theaters. Let's follow the golden rule of thumb. Spoilers and you die. All this and more is coming up. Get ready and tighten your seatbelts. Because this is FritzCast. That's Jerrytown, let it out, playing us in. Guys, it's Friday, December 15th, 2017, and I am back from a nearly three-week hiatus. Uh, I had initially planned on sticking to the Monday schedule of recording the show. However... I came to a stunning realization when I was leaving Oklahoma Saturday morning last week. Uh, It's a 20-hour drive from Oklahoma back, and me and my wife make that drive uh, with no—there's no stopping at a hotel. Why do that? You can switch off driving, take naps in between, and you can just barrel through it and grind through a day and get there. So that's what we do. And as we're driving, I have the stunning realization that— We're going to get home Sunday morning, like at 5 o'clock in the morning. We're going to be dead tired. We're going to sleep for a little bit, get up, unpack, clean up the house, watch the Eagles game, and I'm going to get uniforms ready for the next day because it's back to work on Monday. And I realized that my wife was going to be home Monday. We would have a lot to tackle. Why not just push the episode to Friday? Because, you know, Star Wars is coming out today. It's a big it's a big day. It is a big, important day today. The Last Jedi drops. It's stealing the thunder of the Return of Fritz cast. It is what it is. We'll make we'll make it through. We'll we'll grit our teeth and bear it. Speaking of uh Star Wars, I'm avoiding social media like the plague this morning. Uh I'm not on Facebook. I'm not uh, rolling through Twitter. Uh I've actually like blocked the Star Wars groups that I'm in. On Facebook because I see it tonight at 7.15 p.m. I'll give my impressions probably in a blog post that'll be up on uh, fritzcast.wordpress.com probably over the weekend uh, because I'm seeing it twice actually. I'm seeing it Friday. (laughs) I'm seeing it tonight at 7.15 and then I'm seeing it tomorrow at 8.45 in the morning. Uh, Why am I seeing it twice? Well, Number one, I'm a nerd, and you should know this by now if you've been a long-time listener. If you're not, welcome. I'm Fritz. I'm a nerd. This is the story behind that. And then we'll get into what I did over vacation, and then we'll crash right into the topics that we need to crash into. So, The Last Jedi, you could have bought tickets months ago, and in fact, that's when we bought tickets. I got the okay from my wife. There was a long story last, not last year, two years ago, when The Force Awakens came out. Uh, I wanted to go see it immediately. 
My wife kept pushing it off because I was supposed to be getting it as a Christmas gift from her aunt. Her aunt was supposed to give me the Christmas gift of movie tickets to go see The Force Awakens. So my wife kept pushing it off. It was about three weeks before I went and saw it, and it nearly killed me. I mean, avoiding spoilers and talking about it was literally hell. Literally a living hell. And I said, I vowed never again. So when Rogue One came out last year, we saw it almost immediately. After the trailer dropped for Force for The Last Jedi, I said, I'm going on and I'm ordering the tickets now. And that's just what I did. Funny thing happened between then and now. Uh, my wife figured out her work's Christmas party is tonight. Or should I say holiday party? Let's not be controversial. Her work's holiday party is tonight. And she's adamant about going because they're fun. Her work really decks them out. And so I sat there and I had an argument with her. I said, you're, you're not literally saying you're not going to go see Star Wars to, to, uh, on Friday, right? That's not what you're trying to tell me. And she said, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And she replied. She said, um, you have friends. You can go with them. And I was like, oh, oh, so I, oh. Oh, we're good. We're good then. We're good. We're, we're awesome. I got a buddy going with me. But then I did, you know, the, the true husbandly relationship thing. I took a step back and I said, am I being selfish? And so I went to her and I said, hey, um, am I being selfish by going to see Star Wars before you? I know you really want to see it. And at that point, she looked up times for Saturday and gave me the okay to buy tickets for Saturday morning, and we're going to go see it Saturday morning. So I will see The Last Jedi twice in less than 24 hours, which is probably the nerdiest thing i ever done. I don't care. I'm cool with it. And I'm excited. I am excited for that. That has gotten me through this week. See, the two weeks of vacation out in Oklahoma was beautiful, okay? The drive out there, the 20-hour drive went by in a flash. This was the first time that we drove out there that the drive seemingly wasn't a burden and went by so smooth, no problems, no issues, that we were a little afraid that maybe we had crashed and died and were in some alternate reality. Oklahoma's nice, laid back. There's something about the Midwest. When you hit the Midwest, people are different. The pace of life seems a lot slower which is a good thing it's 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 a slower pace that you want <laughs> not not like oh this is dragging out and i can't stand it and a lot of people ask me they're like well what do you do out in oklahoma anyway well i mean my wife's grandparents are out there so it's visiting family but they're so community oriented they're they're, they're it's small towns uh quaint little shopping strips you know mom and pop shops all around it's small business city uh, the, the the towns there just have a nice community feeling. It's almost like everybody there knows each other and everybody wants to say hello and just be, you know, joyful, try to give everybody a good experience. And I, I love it every time I go. Uh, their house sits on a hill overlooking a lake and it is one of the most beautiful sights that you could see waking up in the morning and having a cup of coffee, sitting at the table and just looking out at the lake. Uh, every once in a while, deer would come up. You know, they put out deer feeders and deer are just roaming about. 
kind of like here in Delaware, except not on roadways and such. And so we, we relaxed, and we hit up a lot of the small towns in Oklahoma. Ponca City is where they live. Ponca City is actually uh, a bustling town, and uh, or a bustling city there that that's growing and expanding. But then they have a lot of little towns and cities there, Stillwater, uh, Blackwell, and Enid, and uh, Paul Huska. Uh, there's also lots of Indian... There's lots of Indian territories out there. That's, you know, Trail of Tears and all that. There's a lot of history of Native American there, a lot of Native American spirit that you can find around in those parts of Oklahoma, and it's very, very interesting to drive through. During that time, we actually took off to Branson, Missouri. It's about four, four and a half, five hours away from where we were in Oklahoma, and Branson, Missouri is an all-out, decked-out Christmas town. They, they, they love lights, festivals, and I had never been to Branson. Branson, Missouri is like their Atlantic City, it's like their big go-to hub. There's theaters everywhere, there's entertainers, performers, theater going on. We actually went to Silver Dollar City, which is kind of like a Six Flags, it's a theme park. Uh, roller coasters, rides, all that. We we did that while we went there. They had a couple of Broadway production shows of uh, It's a Wonderful Life and the Scrooge one, Christmas Carol. They had a Broadway production style of that as well. But Silver Dollar City also boasts 6 million Christmas lights. This was insanity. You know the guy, if you're local to Delaware... You know the guy on Red Lion Road that has his house decked out in Christmas lights? You go to Silver Dollar City with six million lights, and that looks like child's play. And the Red Mill Road guy, he that is a pretty stunning display for a guy who just lives on a road and loves decking his house out for Christmas every year. So it was truly amazing uh, seeing the lights decked out. And it, it's just Christmas time and Christmas season. I was in love with being out there and having all that around me for, for two unfiltered weeks with, with no prison work whatsoever. It was great. And now I'm back, and it is what it is. I will get through the best that I can. Something else that I saw in Branson, too. Uh, most most of you guys know that I'm not such a religious person right now. Uh, as I coined myself in my Twitter and, and everything like that, I am agnostic. But her grandparents took us to the Sight and Sound Theater, which is a Christian production company. Uh, there's the theater in Branson, Missouri. There's one over here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, so just up, just up the way in Pennsylvania there. And they do big productions of uh, stories from the Bible. So we actually went and saw Miracle of Christmas, which was... A beautifully produced play, and it was fantastic to watch because it literally is Broadway just decked out in Christianity. The sets were very attentive to detail. There was a lot of special effects, and the costuming was just spot on, and the acting was pretty good, too. Plus, they use uh, live animals. They had live horses, donkeys. Uh, uh, I think they had a llama. I think I remember a llama. Don't quote me on that. And they had sheep and, and other things. They had a live nativity on the set of the stage. It was it was it was very very elegantly done to the degree that I think anybody could have gone and watched it. It wasn't 
overbearingly preachy, if you know what I mean. But it is the miracle of Christmas. It was the story about Christ's birth, so there was that focus. Another thing that I did while we were out there, and I don't know why, it's it's something about Delaware or the East Coast or maybe just my central location, but in Oklahoma there's tons, tons of antique shops. And I love going through antique shops. I love old, archaic, uh, or things of yesteryear. I love walking through things like typewriters. Typewriters. I was actually, I almost, I came very, very close to buying a typewriter just because I thought it would be cool as a display piece. But there was lots of ones that were working out there in working condition. And I do things like I work on a book that I'm, I'm writing right now. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I got a typewriter and I typed it all up on a typewriter just because. Just just to do it on a typewriter. Uh, just to be a little old school like that. Some some might say, why don't you be old school and write it by hand? Ha 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 Have you seen my handwriting? No. I can't even read my handwriting. Impossible. But in diving around the antique shops, I didn't really buy up and walk away with a lot of stuff. However, I found... One Christmas album, one Christmas album, $2, vinyl record, okay? And I, I'm a nerd. I love vinyl records. I have an extensive vinyl record collection. It was Twas the Night Before Christmas, the Rankin Bash special that I never, ever see on TV anymore. And I don't know what it is with TV and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, it's horrible to try to find Christmas classics. Now, I know you can just go out and buy a DVD or a Blu-ray of, like, all of them. There's like a, uh, It's like a combo that has Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the original Frosty Snowman, uh, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a bunch of them. Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey. There's, there's other random ones that I can throw in there. Twas the Night Before Christmas, though, is one of the ones that I, like, grew up on. I remember watching that one every year. It's a family-friendly musical type of show. It, it's in the same vein of all the other Rankin-Bass classics, like A Year Without a Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's the same format, the same thing. It's just a different story that I really like. The vinyl record has the entire story on it. It is as if they took the tape of it and just pushed all the audio onto the record and it is cool. It is one of the coolest records that I have and a steal at $2 because it plays all the way through. No issues, just pops and clicks because it is a worn old record. And that's the kind of stuff that, like, you can't find that. I'm pretty sure if you Googled it right now or looked it up on Amazon, you're not going to find it for $2. You might not even find it at all. Uh, that's a rarity. That's a rarity that takes the 20 minutes of going through an antique shop and just finding it lying about. And that's, it's really cool. It's almost like treasure hunting. Just, you're not a pirate and you can't steal it. You have to buy, you have to pay for it. So during my two week, uh, nearly three week hiatus, there was not one ounce of podcast politics news that I watched whatsoever. I did follow the events. Because big things were happening. Big, huge, uh, dynamite crap was going on in the world of politics. Enough to make me like question my sanity 
which reminded me why for that two weeks I completely ignored <laughs> all my usual things. Uh, surprisingly, in in that two week period, the uh, I keep hitting the damn microphone. I apologize. It's, 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 I'm shaking off the ring rust. Okay. In that two week period, surprisingly, a lot of the focus stayed on sexual misconduct of powerful men in in various positions of power, whether it's Hollywood uh, or whether it's in uh, the United States government. And this brought to pass Al Franken resigning. Well, let's actually let's take a step back. Al Franken hasn't resigned. <laughs> he said he's going to resign. When he actually resigns, when that actually goes through, then I'll say, okay, respectable nod for bowing out. Is Al Franken done and over with? I sincerely doubt it. I really and truly sincerely doubt it. But the the avalanche of sexual allegations and the stories piling up of various individuals keeps on coming. Uh, over the course of the last two weeks alone, you had Al Franken resign. You had Matt Lauer fired. Matt Lauer fired because, because of sexual misconduct and allegations in the workplace. Which, mind you, it went on a tangent and spun off about how he had a secret button to lock his office door. A security feature that's nearly in every big executive business office ever. Uh, that's, that's, that's where we're at. People take whatever they can and run with it. Now, that's not saying Matt Lauer didn't deserve to lose his job because he was getting paid quite a handsome lump sum of money. All right, he was. And he has these allegations against him. And it, it's a sad situation, I guess, where... Or is it a sad situation? I don't even know how I'm supposed to think anymore about this stuff because uh, was he being a sleazeball? If he's being a sleazeball, he gets what he deserves, right? I, that's what I assume. Same thing with Al Franken resigning. I don't feel sorry that Al Franken has to resign. However, the only reason I think Al Franken resigned was that it was a push from the Democrats to say... Hey, you gotta do this because we need some moral high ground in this Roy Moore battle in Alabama. More on that later. On top of Franken, just out of left field, uh, another representative, Trent Franks, who I believe is of Texas. Yep, no, Arizona. Representative Trent Franks from Arizona. He resigned. Because the House Ethics Committee announced it was opening an investigation into sexual harassment allegations, so Frank stepped out and said that they were over discussions of surrogacy with previous female subordinates, which he, quote, deeply regrets that my discussion of this option and process in the workplace caused distress. So he, out of the blue, resigns. Now, the big argument coming from everybody else is that you have a president of the United States who has said just straight up sexually crude things caught on tape the Billy Bush video if you remember that hey walk up grab him by the you know hoo ha yeah the 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 strongest man of them all the most significant man of them all still sits atop the throne of the royalty of the president of the United States that we have established now 
That's that's the the government is quickly again becoming royalty. We're all bowing like peasants before the kings. And when I say that, I'm not saying it against just Donald Trump or just Republicans. Uh, it's the government. It's it's both progressives and conservatives alike. It, it, I don't know what it is. I don't know why we are where we are. Now, this ties in with the Roy Moore thing. Roy Moore had a, a plethora of accusers come out, and there was this big debate being had about the timing of everything. Everybody talks about the timing of things. Well, here's the deal with Roy Moore, all right? Roy Moore and the Alabama special election between him and Doug Jones highlights a true issue, a true problem that I see in the United States, mostly with the Republican Party, all right? That is, Donald Trump got behind Roy Moore and the Republican Party in tow got behind Roy Moore and it became this thing of, oh, so what, he's a pedophile. I mean, they didn't exactly say that, but they did come out and they said, who cares about morals and our convictions? We need Roy Moore in that Senate seat. We need it to pass tax reform. We need it to do this. We need it. He is a key piece. We need the Senate seat. We need that Senate seat more than we need to stand by our convictions and our morals. The Republican Party did the same thing. As Donald Trump was slowly rising to power in the polling. Which is polling numbers, if we go back and look at them. If we go back and listen to past episodes, or if we just do a quick, simple Google search, we can tell that Donald Trump at any time in those polls never went above 30% because of the other people that were running. But when you have a diehard 30% that bows at your feet, believes every single word out of your mouth, that doesn't matter. And that kind of conviction, that kind of cult following in people should scare people. And I'm starting to slowly, as we progress through the year, as we have progressed through the year and are getting ready, it's almost 2018. In, in a few short weeks, the ball drops and we're at another year. And we'll have one year of a Donald Trump presidency under our belt. And, I mean, mind you, all you whiny, cry liberals out there, we're not dead yet. Nobody, Nobody's dead. Nobody died because of Donald Trump. Yet. But I'm starting to see how people were scared from earlier on. Just because of the cult following. That, that diehard 30% that's such on the fringe. and It's insanity. I mean, is it not insanity that Roy Moore, that he was still allowed to run for office? That that people were still behind him? Did you hear some of the excuses that people said about Roy Moore? Okay, this is the highlight clip that I have. Jake Tapper was interviewing... Roy Moore campaign spokesman Ted Crockett. And this this clip should be telling and should this clip should scare you. This clip should legitimately plant 
the seeds of fear inside your head. Listen to this. Judge Moore has also said uh, that he doesn't think uh, a Muslim member of Congress should be allowed to be in Congress. Why? Uh, under what, but, under what provision of the Constitution? Because you have to swear on the Bible. You, when, you, you, when you are before, I had to do it. I'm an elected official, three terms. I had to swear on a Bible. You have to swear on a Bible to be an elected official in the, in the United States of America. He alleges that a Muslim cannot do that ethically, swearing on the Bible. You don't actually have to swear on a Christian Bible. You can swear on anything, really. I don't know if you knew that. You can swear on a Jewish Bible. Oh, no, you can swear I swore on, a, on the can, Bible. I've done can, it three times. I'm sure Jay. you have. I'm sure you've picked a Bible, but the law is not that you have to swear on a Christian Bible. That is not the law. You, you don't know that? All right, Ted Crockett. With I the don't board. know. I, I know that uh, Donald Trump did it when he when we made him president. Because he's Christian and he picked it. That's what he wanted to. That's what he wanted to swear in on. Ted Crockett with the Moore campaign. Good luck tonight. Thank you so much for being here. My panel will react when Merry we get Christmas, back. Merry Christmas, Jay. Thank you, sir. And I'd just like to point out that those pauses, those pauses aren't fabricated. You can go look up this video. When Jake Tapper says you do realize it's not the law to swear on a Christian Bible, this guy's dumbfounded, jaw drops, deer in the freaking headlights it's as if this is the first time anybody's ever told him oh yeah by the way here in this country we have freedom of religion meaning that it's not law to swear on a bible because that would actually be violating constitution what was his response well well i know donald trump we made him do it he did it when uh when when we swore him in as president yeah but that's because that's what he chose that's what he chose he chose a Bible. That is, that is, and then at the end of it all too, at the end of that, well, Merry Christmas to you, Jake. And I'm sure if it didn't cut out, he would have been like, Merry Christmas to you, Jake. Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with somebody thinking or saying that Christmas is, you know, completely Jesus is the reason for the season. Sure. That's fine, but come on, come on! I'm a. This is why I stepped away from political parties in general because you know what? Yeah, I'm a constitutionalist. I like the Constitution, <laughs> and the Constitution says first. Can you believe this? The First Amendment says, "Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion." Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And this guy thought it was the law to swear on a Bible into your position. He thought it was the law. Oh my God. That, it, that clip was by far my favorite. And you de I know you just heard the audio. You really need to look up the YouTube clip and watch the guy's reaction. It is freaking stellar. I cannot. I cannot even. Now, listen, Roy Moore lost his election, and everybody's talking about Alabama did the right thing. I would just like to point this out. All right, this is from the Washington Post. Doug Jones won the popular vote with 670,000 votes, 670 
1,551 votes. 49.9% of the vote. Roy Moore had 64... Or 649,240 votes. 48.4%. Yeah, Doug Jones might have won Alabama, but he won it so freaking narrowly. He won it so narrowly against a guy who adamantly stated that he dated younger women. I understand that in the 70s and in the South... It wasn't necessarily a frowned upon thing, especially if an older gentleman asked the parents of a younger girl for dating. But come on. And think about the other slips that Roy Moore made. He was asked, you know, when, when was a good time in America? And he and instead of being smart and saying, like, when, when families were together, that was a better time in America. He goes... I hate to say it, but back in the times of slavery, it was better. Wow! Wow! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He said shit like that. And still gets nearly half the freaking vote! Now, mind you, Doug Jones, it's a special election. Doug Jones won a two-year Senate seat, and that's it. Now, the real telling thing about whether or not this is a sweep against Donald Trump, which is a... Bullshit news talking point. Sorry about my language. A bullshit news talking point. Two years is is whether or not it's a sweep against Donald Trump and Republicanism. Not that they have much ground to uh, fight on anymore, <laughs> because because you know that's Doug Jones for you, or Doug Jones. Wow, that's Roy Moore for you. The, the only other thing I want to play about Roy Moore or about Roy Moore, listen to this. This this was an article. An article. This was an interview with the Guardian News, December, published on December eleventh, twenty seventeen. So a couple days ago, but it's from an interview that was conducted this summer, and this is what Roy Moore said. You know, one thing I've learned in politics is not to think for somebody else. And to assess what Ronald Reagan would think, I just, I just couldn't simply begin. But he said the Russia was the focus of evil in the modern world. You could say that very well about America, couldn't you? Do you think? Well, we promote a lot of bad things, you know? Like? Same-sex marriage. That's the very argument that Vladimir Putin makes. Well then maybe Putin is right. Maybe he's more akin to me than I know. What would you say to him? I'll have to translate. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I studied Russian at one time. Did you really? At the United States Military Academy at West Point. Ah, that's great. You'd say hello to uh, Vladimir Putin, of all people, and the big problem with the world is because we let them queerosexuals get merged. Oh, well, I'm agnostic. I'm not supposed to be a Bible scholar, but, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff in there about judge not lest ye be judged and all this other stuff. But anyway, anyway, so that's Roy Moore, okay? He narrowly got defeated by Doug Jones, Democrat. Is it a big sweep against Donald Trump? Eh, not really, because it almost didn't happen. Now, another big thing that has taken the center of attention around these parts is the uh, the FCC... Uh, just voted, I believe, three to two 
to repeal the Obama-era regulations of net neutrality, which the consequences could... The, the con- hey, everybody just calm down. Yeah, I forgot. Anytime President Trump does something, anything, it means millions of people are going to die. Um, tax cuts, Obamacare, net neutrality, all that. Uh, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die because net neutrality has been voted to be repealed. By the FCC, which doesn't mean anything yet, so let's all calm down. Let's all just calm down, and let's also talk about this because we're talking about a free and open internet. You're, you're talking about a free and open internet, heavily regulated by the government. That 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 is that, that it's it's an oxymoron, is what you're saying. I get what you're saying, though. I get people's panic about it. It's the internet. Everything in our lives revolves around the internet. I, hello? How am I supposed to watch Netflix? How am I supposed to binge watch Family Guy on Netflix, despite the fact that Disney just bought Fox, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which means that it's not going to be on Netflix anymore. Netflix will charge nine ninety nine a movie to watch if net neutrality is repealed. How am I supposed to afford that? How am I going to live? Twitter's going to cost 75 cents a tweet. They might even do five cents a character. How am I supposed to continue to live on in this world? Most of the arguments that I saw against the net neutrality was bullshit like that. And it was straight up fear mongering. Now, listen, I didn't say that I fully that I fully agree with this repeal of net neutrality. All right. I didn't say that. There's still a lot that I'm trying to uncover about net neutrality, but I do know that just blind support of the government under the guise of something called net neutrality, something that sounds so positive, probably doesn't deserve my blind adoration and willingness to uh, uh, defend it to death. You know? I think everybody panicked. Now... Here's the thing. This is what we want with the internet. This is what everybody wants with the internet. You want to be able to access whatever's on the internet. Right? If you're paying for the internet, which by the way, let's let's stop the debates right now. Uh the internet is a commodity. It is a thing that we have. It's not quintessential to life. It is not. All right? We have just it is a main hub of consume of consumerism. We love streaming movies and streaming music. And we love getting on Facebook and talking with everybody. We love social media. We love shopping online. We love all this stuff. We love being able to choose between Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime or all of them if we want. Sling TV, all these things. We want all of it. We want equal access to it. We want. Uh, we don't want to have to get Comcast as our internet provider, for example, and have them block our access to Hulu because it's competition. I get that. That makes sense. Here's what I don't here's what I don't get. Why does everybody think it's so ironclad that the big bad corporations will enslave us all to it? Like if Comcast blocked Hulu, but 75% of Comcast users want Hulu, guess what? Comcast is going to have to cave. 
it's going to have to cave because everybody will be fed up and drop the service. Eventually, if you don't like a product, you don't buy it. You don't get the service of it. And for everybody saying that the government will, will ensure that it's okay because the government ensures that everything's okay, ask the people in Flint, Michigan how their water was for a while. We have gotten into these extreme debates where we can't even talk about things anymore. We can't talk about this net neutrality thing. We can't really sit down and hammer out the details and talk about it. Because guess what? Uh, These regulations for net neutrality came in play in 2015. And, of course, I can't remember before 2015. uh, God, there wasn't even an internet, was there? And you couldn't watch YouTube on your cell phone or do any of that cool stuff, right? Oh, yeah, you could. You could, and I get the want for regulation, but here's the thing with the Internet. Let's all agree on some basic step stone points right now, all right? The Internet, it is a product. No. All right? It is a product that we like to have. Is it necessary to life? Will people die if they don't have the Internet? Wrong. They will not die. Nobody will die if they don't have the Internet. Uh, humanity lived for thousands of years without the internet and all this great technology. Okay? It did. That being said, I'm an internet junkie, and I love using it, and I use it every day. So, let's continue on. Netflix and all these companies, Netflix, uh, Hulu, uh, Amazon, uh, Twitter, Facebook, they could all charge at any time, regardless of what net neutrality says. You pay for the internet to be able to get on. A website can say that you have to pay for access. That's what Netflix is. It's a service that you pay access for. Hulu is a service that you pay access for. Amazon is a service that you pay access for. These are all markets. Oh my God. They're markets. Same thing with like email accounts. You don't pay for an email account, do you? Gmail, it's free. Yahoo, it's free. MSN, it's free. Hotmail, it's free. It sounds a little gay, but that's not a problem. Um, all these things, we, we, we have all these things. Okay, If Netflix raises their prices, and Netflix has done this several times. Look, look over the course of the year, 2005, 2007, uh, a couple years ago, and oh yeah, just now. Just now, before this FCC vote even thing even came into play, Netflix is raising their rates again to the $10 mark for their standard subscription. And every time Netflix has gone to raise its prices, the market came into play. Netflix, if you don't remember, started off as one of those mail-out DVD places. All right, You could subscribe. You could get a DVD mailed to you. You got it in the mail. You could watch it. You mailed it back. They'd send you another one. And then they started a digital streaming service, which a bunch of people signed up for, and that was a combo deal. And then Netflix tried to break it apart. People revolted. Netflix had to back off. They eventually went the way they wanted to go because more people wanted the way that they went. But Netflix did that, and and Netflix doing that, they also put Blockbuster out of business. But Redbox came to replace Blockbuster. You know, all these innovations came, but the market carved it, all right? Netflix can come out tomorrow and say that, by the way, we're jacking rates up to $20 uh, per account per month. So it'll be $20 per month if you want access to the product. If people want to pay it, they will pay it. 
If people don't want to pay it, they won't pay it. If enough people jump off the bandwagon and don't pay it, Netflix will have to curb their pricing to entice more customers to come in. That is, that's a basic thing. Same thing with Hulu, okay? Hulu charges you, mind you, $7.99 a month and plays ads. Do you know why Hulu does that? Because they know they can get you at the $7.99 subscription rate, and then they know that they can get ad revenue money by playing the ads. Oh, my God, you're paying for a service that has ads. Oh, my God, it's unthought of. But I can live without Netflix if Netflix jacks up the rate. Same thing with Twitter. Twitter could charge at any time. Facebook could charge at any time. They don't. They're platforms based on the advertising and the revenue. That's how they get their money. They don't get it from you, per se. They get it from people who want to buy space. So the fact that people fear-mongered so hardcore in the coming hours and afterwards of the net neutrality business that it's the end of the freaking world, it's not. Let's take our time and figure that out. And I heard so many arguments against monopolizing, too. They talked about... This will cause more monopolies. Well, guess what? In my neighborhood, I can only get Comcast internet if I want high-speed, fast internet. Verizon isn't here because they haven't been able to put in the fiber optic lines yet. That's red tape in Verizon's way. And they also don't think it's lucrative to put it in this neighborhood because they could bury the... uh, the fiber optic lines and run them in and I would gladly pay. I would pay the $500 fee that it used to be to get your house hooked up for Fios. I would pay it because I don't want Comcast and Comcast keeps bugging me because I only buy internet from them and not a bundled deal of cable and telephone as well. In all that, in all this talk about monopolization and, st- and such. There's only one, you know, there is only one internet service provider in some areas of the nation. You go out west, just on my vacation in Oklahoma, here I am on the east coast where I see Verizon, I see uh, I see Verizon, I see Comcast, I see DirecTV, I see Dish, I see a bunch of other competition things going on for the internet and all that. But here on my street, Verizon isn't available in this neighborhood. So it's out the door. If I want internet, it's Comcast. I have to get Comcast. I have no choice. That is a monopoly in this particular zone. And it sucks. But you go out west, my wife's grandparents have Cable One. And their options are Cable One or Cox. And I do believe they're parent companies. I get the fear. We all want an open internet. But people realize there is some type of market force and us as consumers, we do have a lot of power over some of these companies. They don't have all the power. And then it comes to smarts. I can't tell people how to spend their money, but if Netflix jacked its rate up to $25 a month and you're okay with spending it, to me, I'm like, okay, you're a dumbass. You're a dumbass with your money and you do not care. And I would take my money away from Netflix. I lose a great service that I once loved, but I don't believe it's worth $25. Anybody else keeping it at the $25 rate is justifying it. Pretty cut and dry to me. Now, there does need to be 
some amount of regulation. I'll, I'll admit that. If I have an internet connection, I want to be able to get on Google or Yahoo, whatever, whatever my search engine preference of choice is, I should be able to go on. Whatever website I want to access, I should be able to go on. However much internet data I want to use, I should be able to use. And the thing that people aren't taking into consideration with all of this is that we are becoming so hooked on the internet. There's so many gigabits of information passing around every single day. My buddy, Jay Sean, told me because he moved out of his one apartment complex in New Jersey to Philadelphia, they cut off their cable bill. There was two days that they were there that they did not have internet, cable, anything. He wanted to play Battlefront 1 on his Xbox One. He created a hotspot on his phone because he is grandfathered in and still has an unlimited data plan. And playing Battlefront for a little bit was like 72 gigabytes of data. That's a lot of data, and it, that it's that. That times however many millions of us are using the Internet and how capable is the Internet of handling all the information. It is what it is, guys. Now, real quick, I want to touch up on the final two subjects. So, last week, I was watching the Philadelphia Eagles. I've had three glorious weeks of being able to watch full Eagles games, and I have loved it. Carson Wentz has had an an outstanding season at quarterback. So outstanding, in fact, that it hurt extremely when he went out of the game Sunday night against the L.A. Rams. And they revealed that he tore his ACL and is out for the season. A lot of Eagles haters, or as I like to call you, shit talkers, got on the case and said, it's done, it's over, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Well, my friends, I'll tell you, Carson Wentz definitely is an X-Factor player. I think he's still a hot contender for MVP, even with his season being cut short. Uh, because he is, he just has this thing in him that makes him play masterfully. He's such a joy to watch playing, and it's such a joy to be an Eagles fan right now to have Carson Wentz and know that he has years ahead of him and it's going to be, you know, a bright future for Carson for Carson Wentz, for sure. Down and out for the rest of this season, but is the season over? The Eagles are 11-2. and two. They're 11-2, and two, and it's not all just because of Carson Wentz. We have a very spirited team. And this isn't the first hit. This is the biggest hit that we've had this year, but it's not the first hit. Jason Peters, the the key cornerstone left tackle of the offensive line, goes out. Big hit. Big hit. Somehow, somehow, Big V fills in. And we jive. And we, we move along. Darren Sproles, key explosive playmaker on special teams and as a screen running back. Goes down. Devastating loss. We pick up Jay Ajayi. LeGarrette Blunt picks up. Chris Clements still in the mix as an explosive back. And we pick up Kenyon Barner, who has an explosiveness on the return game. We fill in the void. Key defenders have gone out. Uh, our kicker, who Caleb Sturgis was by no means a clutch kicker, and we pick up this kid, Jake Elliott, who out of nowhere is is able to 
kick off, boot off miracle 61 yarders and 50 yarders on the regular with an occasional or rare hiccup or miss. And finally, our backup, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. There are far worse backups to have in the hot seat right now than Nick Foles. Nick Foles, 27-2 and back in 2013 with the Eagles, was sitting on the top as one of the top NFL quarterbacks with one of the highest quarterback ratings, an MVP Pro Bowl season. Nick Foles has big shoes to step in, but guess what? At 11-2, and the Eagles are in the playoffs. They can lose out. They're still in the playoffs. Now it's just for seeding. At 11-2, and we have three games left. Nick Foles has three games to really pound it out, get acclimated with the offense, and get ready because the playoffs are coming. And Nick Foles, I do believe that number nine, St. Nick, can manage the game. And he can make explosive plays, albeit not as fantastic and splendid as Carson Wentz can. But Nick Foles can manage a game, and the Eagles can grind a game, and the Eagles still have a shot. It could be a big miracle season situation. It's a storybook. It's out of a storybook. And I'm actually still excited for the Eagles. And of course, tonight, Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! I don't actually have anything to say about The Last Jedi. I'm just really freaking excited that I get to go tonight. So, guys, it's been nearly an hour. That's going to wrap me up for this week. No playout music. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FritzQS on Twitter. It is fritzcast.wordpress.com for the blog. And facebook.com slash thefritzcast. Do me a favor. Please share this with a friend. And get ready because we're getting ready to roll back in. I will be back on a weekly basis from this point out. So get ready. Let's enjoy the holiday season. Uh, I'm working on some episodes of, of Christmas time themes and elements and things like that. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm happy to be back. So, love you. Love, peace, chicken grease. And see you next week. <laughs>